Welcome to the Harmonica Brothers Variety Show. So you guys will be happy to know that I started finally started watching It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And it is the single stupidest show <laughs> I have ever seen. How far are you into it so far? I think I'm like four episodes into the first season. The seasons are short. So the under I understand why there's so much of it. It gets a lot better, like especially starting with season two when they bring in Danny DeVito. Yeah. Um, the episodes, the seasons are generally a little bit longer. Season one was the shortest. It is very. I want other shows that were sort of coming out, like another show that started in 2005 is How I Met Your Mother. How I Met Your Mother doesn't date itself nearly as much just because it's so always sunny. It is so just not like raunchy, raunchy, I guess, but it's like cringy. It's like, it's like shameless without the swearing. Like you're trying to yeah. snort glue using PVA craft glue. Like, I don't think this is the wrong glue. This is the non-toxic safe to consume shit. We want the toxic shit. And I'm just sort of watching it and I'm like, yeah, it's funny, no doubt. But like it's also cringy as hell. Yeah. Yeah. Especially like an episode one. An accidental Dude, gay bar? Like uh, episode one, they about the about hanging out with black people. Like, hey guys, uh, we don't have any black friends. Like, they have no filter. They just straight up say the stuff, yeah, and then end up playing dominoes. And yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's How so is, cringy. Here's something I don't get. Maybe, maybe I, you know, maybe I haven't had enough. But that's probably the answer. I haven't had enough black friends in my life. What is? How is it every time? Uh, there's like a white guy who's sort of um what's we're looking for he uh is led into the circle i should say the clubhouse uh of having black friends it always like somehow climaxes with the white guy being awesome at dominoes not like i'm not saying like that isn't a, like sort of a cool like way to sort of sow or to show them you know just becoming close and intimate in that way but like it's happen, it happens in shows like Grownish, which is one of the spinoffs of Blackish. It happens in Dear White People. It happens in and Always Sunny. Uh, I just think it's sort of inexplicably become like uh, the pop A culture, trope. like media yeah. way of showing like this this white guy is down with black people because he plays dominoes. Ah, that's a, that's a very you're right. That is a very common and overused trope in in popular media. Yeah. Uh, for expressing solidarity with with uh, black people. Yeah, but like dominoes. Dominoes. Uh, <laughs> you know uh, why? Because dominoes are always black with white spots or white with black spots. So it's about balance and coming together and shit. You know. Okay, Tom No, no, that's that's probably not it. Uh, uh, I will say that when it comes <laughs> to uh, Sunny, you got to give it. You got to get through maybe seasons two or see or season three to really get to like, I, I, to, 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 I think what, what is, what's their high point. Yeah. Um, but like, I, I'm saying for me, it is not when I'm, when I watch other shows, I it, that can be laugh out loud, funny, which to me, like sitcoms that are laugh out loud, funny are for me, it's like Seinfeld, how I met your mother. Uh, and when I watch a show like, Oh, it's always sunny. Uh, I it is funny to me, and I will I will go back to it. It's something I need to take in small doses, but I, I see the appeal, and I can understand why it's lasted so long. Um, okay, I gotta ask Matt right now. Matt, what are some laugh out loud funny shows for you? Frasier. Uh, okay, I've I've been a fan of Frasier since since like since it was on, but like towards the end of its run. Uh, I think it's incredibly well written. I think all the characters are fantastic. 
Um, Seinfeld. That's the type of humor that's laugh out loud funny for you. Oh yeah, there's some there's some real funny episodes in that, like mm-hmm. the one where they're doing um, uh, the one where they're um, Frazier has to do um. Uh, a, a radio broadcast. It, well, he's always doing a radio broadcast. But I mean, he's doing like right. um, I, I don't know. If it's, it's called. It's like it, he's doing something called Nightmare Inn, which is like an old time radio drama. Oh old, yes. Um, and that everything keeps going radio. wrong during the show. I love that one. Uh, the one where they throw a dinner party at like Maris's uh, beach house, and there's like a seal that they have to get rid of. Um, so they have to like row out into the water and dump it and then it come it washes back ashore uh that's a great one there's several other good ones seinfeld okay awesome show yeah. um and uh yeah. i really like new girl as well oh yeah. yeah that show is that is a laugh out loud show for me it's really um, it's it's been really parks and rec is another one yes that's laugh out loud funny for me and so is um the good place those were shows that made me burst out laughing. A show like The Good Place, I always found, I thought it was funny. I why I really enjoyed it. I really liked the ending as well. No spoilers. No, 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 I haven't no, watched the- no I'm not, I'm not going to spoil it. I thought it was a little darker. It wasn't like, it was like black comedy. It wasn't like laugh out loud to yeah. me. A show I completely forgot, The Office. Totally laugh out loud funny. Yes. You know? And it's, it's one it of those things. It fell flat for me. Sorry? It fell flat for me. Okay, well every all of all of our all of all of our estimated eight audience uh is (laughs) screaming right now how 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 much did you watch of the office because i'll I'll be honest the first season of the american office is pretty bad and that's largely because they've drawn a lot from the english office at that point but once they go off into their own direction and they know who these characters are really yeah not just copies of 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 the british british characters they're their own I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure it. I'll watch it. I'm pretty sure I'm going to end up watching it when, uh, if I ever have a significant other, she sits me down and forces me to watch with her or rewatch with her. I'll I'll watch through it and then I'll come back to you guys. But in the meantime, it shows like uh, it shows like extras or yes. um, you know that show is all every episode was burst out loud pause the episode get the laughs out and go back into it funny for me so definitely yes um, that um, was- and if we're talking about british comedies uh black adder i thought was awesome especially uh, the second one really like classic that. yeah um everybody uh, everybody knows faulty towers and that was course. laugh out really funny the first time i saw it the second time i saw it the third time i saw it uh, now maybe not so much but only because i've seen it like a million times yeah um, I th- but you brought up new girl and i think like uh, it's it's one of those things i'm surprised it's had a similar amount of staying power amongst mm-hmm. it is very much like the friends was like the peak gen x sitcom and new girl is the peak i feel millennial sitcom because yeah everyone because like everyone can everyone like our age can relate to essentially either living with complete strangers and becoming friends with them. And there's like way too many of you in a place that may seem large, but is actually quite small. Like we, the, the loft in new girl is massive, but then you remember there's like regularly four five, six people living in that one place and they have one bathroom, you know? And I think it, but certain things like that have made new girl, I think a lot more resonant 
Um, the characters are so lovable though. As well, I yeah. That... If, for me, it's also it's not super laugh out loud funny. Like, mo like really? yeah, like I think moments of it are. Parkour, no. But <laughs> moments of it are. But by the by, I think it is more of a very is is wry comedy. Not wry, I should say. Mm -hmm. I think it's very like your it's character driven comedy. It's not situation driven comedy. Like with the ex like you just like Friends. The only mm -hmm. there are two funny characters, uh, Ross and Chandler. Everyone Chandler, else is just yeah. sort of window dressing, and who is a character, but th they aren't themselves funny. You know, but like. Jess is like some neuroatypical school teacher. Uh, Nick is an alcoholic. Schmidt is a douchey Schmidt. son. Is a douchey son of a bitch, and we can all admit to to having a friend who we love who's a douchey son of a bitch. I am that guy. And that's my friend group. I don't judge you for your driving moccasins, Sam. I don't, or your or your kimono. Uh, <laughs> yeah. you, you admit to wearing a bathrobe one time and you just you never live it down. I, I will say, I will say though, um, I disagree a bit on, on friends. I think they all have their, their funny moments. In fact, I don't find Ross that funny in the first few seasons. Well, I, I used to be after, after his marriage to Emily kind of falls apart. There seems to be a shift in how they portray his character. And I don't know if maybe it started because you're supposed to think he's all stressed out and just upset about how things go, how things have gone. I, I and then agree. they leaned in. I like, hate Ross. They were they, they were kind of like, oh, you know, it's kind of funny when he behaves kind of off the wall. Let's lean into this for the remainder of the show. And then he got a lot funnier. Well, I say that. I, well, I say what I say because I don't mean that they can't be funny. I mean that like their characters are innately comedic. Right? I think like, he's, this, like he's this nerdy, stressed out uh, what's wrong for like neurotic fellow and Chandler is an asshole, right? Like you take a show, like how many mother, which how many mother works on so many more levels compared to other sitcoms, in my opinion, not just because it's probably my favorite sitcom. Um, I hope that's not the only reason, but like all of their characters, like five is almost the perfect number because they are all have sort of innately comedic qualities. They are each just sort of insane in their own way. Like friend, like how many brothers, the perfect example, like what if only one of them was actually nice at his core, right? Like Marshall's the only one who's nice. All the other four of them are assholes. They're just sons of bitches. And uh, like Robin's a gun nut and she's Canadian. And that's always a sticking point. I love that. That's probably one of the best points of that yeah. show. Was Barney's, an Barney's an asshole and uh, a womanizer. Ted's a douche. He's a Schmidt. You know, with slightly less womanizing, but he wants to womanize more. And Lily is a New Yorker, and they they emphasize the fact that they are this way because they live in New York. Unlike every other sitcom that takes place in New York, which is most of them, which is like we just live in New York City in our giant apartments. You know, but like uh, I like the Brooklyn Nine Nine. That's another laugh out loud. Brooklyn Nine Nine has been ruined for me recently because you I rewatched it once now. I just finished a rewatch a couple weeks ago of the whole series, yeah. and it has been ruined for me when you realize like they, the show is designed to make you fall in love with cops. ACAB. Yeah. I know. I know. That's why they're ending this. That's why they're ending the series. Yeah. And they're switching either that or they're all like when quit, uh, like being when, police officers like when Terry, and become paramedics. Like when Terry, when Terry gets racially profiled in like season five or six, yep. like yep. The, the resolution of the episode is it's a bad, it's only, only Not bad one. apples. There's only one bad yeah. cop. Or there's only bad cops. Like, eh. 
when you brought up, um, you know, how I met your mother and, and the fact that so many of them are terrible people, it made me, it reminded me Arrested Development. I love that show when it was on. And when you talk yeah, about yeah. Uh, terrible people, uh, they were pretty much all rotten at the core. Even Michael, who even Michael seemed nice or nicer than them at times, you could see like deep down, no, he's, he's just the same as all the other blues. Yeah. Um, and and I, that was one where you know, especially when I first saw a, a lot of those episodes, man, I was well, I was laughing so hard. I think it's cool because like uh, I I've been watching. I'm on season. I'm halfway through season four of Blackish, phenomenal sitcom, and it has it oh, has shades yeah. of like '90s sitcoms. Like at the core of every episode, there's a lesson, and that's a good thing, you know. Um, and it is sort of very enjoyable because. Uh, what people sort of got bored with about sitcoms sort of in the pre how I met your mother era was that it was always a family. The dad was always a doofus. The mom was always the genius and, and or like brought the, bringing <laughs> them back down to earth. But when blackish, they sort of continue that, but then they layer on this social commentary, which is really enjoyable. See, this is what I always, okay. this is one of the biggest things I liked about Frasier. The dad is not just a doofus. Um, yeah. Sure. Yeah. You know, they play up, you know, some parts of his personality, uh, you know, because it can be funny. Um, but a lot of times he's really presented as being wiser than they are. They have to seek his counsel. He offers good advice. Um, he's he's a meaningful part of the story, whereas you compare to something like Everybody Loves Raymond, where the parents are just fools and just intrusive and they really aren't presented as having any good qualities. Um, Frazier did that really well. And in fact, it extends beyond the father to everybody in that show has has good qualities. And they just seem like, you know, these are real people that you can get invested in. Okay, first off, Sam, don't say there's a pre how I met your mother. Well, I'm talking about the, I'm talking about the era. Like that's my because that's the that's no, the only sitcom I've ever watched that I watched from the beginning on purpose. I'm using that as a personal okay. as a personal marker, you know. That can be your personal marker, fine, but I don't think it's something that that's not a colloquial. No, no, no. That's not what I meant. And second, we we neglected one of I because I was thinking about it and I'm like, what show appeals to the sci-fi nerd in me from this genre? Oh, and we missed a huge oh, one. We missed the one of the biggest and best shows. Six seasons of a movie. I love you. No, I love you. It. I'm pointing at don't the heavens. It. Community. Fuck. I love you. And that show God is a show made for people Ugh, like no. us. And it is Carmen's, it is one of, it is a crown jewel of television achievement in terms of writing, acting, and show production. That thing was something special. Yeah. It was beautiful. And it still to this day touches my soul, except for season one, episode 21 or 22 can burn in hell for all of What episode was that? It was the episode with uh, with those shitty little millennials saying Schmitty over and over again. And I just wanted to like, th those kids were more hateable than Joffrey and Malfoy put into one. Like you wanted this kid to be, um, you wanted this kid to be left on the side of the road as an infant. You wanted this kid, kid's parents to Christ. leave. You wanted this kid's parents to leave the, the bassinet that they're bringing him home from. Uh, the hospital on the car as they pull out of the hospital. Like this is this kid was utterly hateable, and um, you know, good on that kid for acting as hateable as he was supposed to. But 
it was an annoying episode. But other than that, the show was perfect. What, what about season four, which they refer to even in in, in show as the gas leak uh, year? Because I, I guess the showrunner, uh, um, what wasn't involved in that yeah. season? Hammond, Hammond was out for, for a bit uh, on that season, I think. And everybody kind of, or was it season three or it, season it four? Season One of them. Four. And people just go, yeah. Um, they had the 8-bit episode. They had a puppet episode. They had a stop-motion episode. They had, um, what is it? They had a flashback episodes of episodes that never happened, which was beautiful. They had two paintball episodes, which are some of still some of the best television ever. Um, God, what? Like, I mean, they did so much with that format uh, that it's and the characters. Donald Glover shone. He shone and shined like uh, a beacon of hilarity. Uh, Joel McHale was awesome. Uh, and the whole crew was awesome. That's where he, my friends started calling me Abed before I even knew who Abed was uh, because of the character played by Danny Pudi. And I connect, he's, that character is my spiritual animal if I get one because I'm not native. But um, that character is a part of me. And uh, if I ever got to meet Danny Pudi, I would just hug and cry. That, people need to um, get off of, first of all, Don Glover, phenomenal. The only good part of community. I couldn't get more than two episodes in before I got, I was just, I was irked to my core. First of all, Bye. just the show in general, it was boring and the, the, the comedy was lazy. Like, I, 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 it's just, it's, it's not enjoyable to me. And I, I won't say more. I, okay. I can't really get into like why I've only watched a couple episodes. I just watched enough to know that. And I watched enough of Joel McHale and Daniel Cuddy and Jillian Jacobs and the, the uh, Matt, Invincible is the first thing I can watch Jillian Jacobs in uh, that she's been in. Who does she, she play? Uh, Adam Eve. Oh God, so so be so wonderful. I didn't even re like it's so smooth on that show. I didn't even realize it was her. Like, uh, and the the old, I, you know Don Glover. Donald Glover could 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 like shit on a canvas and I call it art. Like. <laughs> You know he he can't do he can't do wrong like, at this point. Like it was Joel, funny I will, on his I will SNL never bit. forgive Joel McHale for the great indoors. Never. I don't it know was, what that is. Or I think that's um, the TV show. I can't remember. It was like he's like an adventuring like outdoorsman, and I, I'm supposed to believe that Joel McHale is an outdoorsman. Come on. And he like he runs like a mag or he becomes the editor of a magazine um, that is owned by. Stephen Fry, and it's like an outdoorsman's magazine, but it's run by millennials, and he has to deal with all the kooky millennials who've never gone camping. And it's just like, it's like, wow, generational disparity and conflict. How, how you can't blow, jo uh, you can't blame Joel McHale I mean, he for was that. One of the co-creators and executive producers, so I think you can. Hmm. I've never heard of it. Okay, you can blame him yeah. for that. Uh, it ran for like a season or two, I think. On, I want to say, I want to say ABC. I can't remember. Um, why would you watch it for two seasons? Because there was nothing else on. <laughs> for the, for the, <laughs> That's a terrible for the same reason. reason, people who've watched all of Star Trek complain about one episode or season specifically in like one season of the show because they're a fan and they want to. I wanted to enjoy it, and it was like a Wednesday night, and it was my first year of university, and I was coasting through it, so I had nothing else to do. I I don't know. It sounds like it sounds like getting get, getting some. Uh, bad food, eating it all, and then telling the waiter at the end, like, you don't, it wasn't very yeah. good, you don't want to pay for it. 
No, oh, not pay, not yeah. pay for it, but I'll just leave a bad review. <laughs> no, 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 but I'm comparing it to be like, yeah. now, you know, I, ha- I ate it all, but I still, you know, take it off my bill. Um, no. I, um, <laughs> they, I mean, the, the, my problem with a lot of these comedies um, is that sometimes they, a lot of times, and this is probably, this is really true of all shows in general, um, or not all shows, but all of these 22 episode a season on for 10 year shows is that, they really start to lose the plot by the end. They start to really go too heavy into, you know, they'll find particular traits of the characters that I guess, you know, people found most, you know, most humorous or, or most appealing. And then like those traits become just the characters completely. Like the characters I find almost become caricatures of themselves. Like Friends is a good example of this. By season 10, perfect example. Um, you know, Monica is only this this neurotic person obsessed with cleaning and like we're taking that joke to like the utmost extre- extreme you know um and and joey's um, always hungry phoebe's yeah. extremely quirky and has no characterization right and doesn't believe in evolution well, well, earlier on these were mocked. elements of the characters sure um by the end this is all the characters are and i don't know if that's because yeah. like i said you know people latched on to these parts of the characters they think that these are the funniest parts so they should you know go heavy you know um on emphasizing them or if it's because you know it's the shows have been on so long that the writing starts to suffer people struggle to come up with jokes and storylines and so they just kind of go for the low-hanging fruit which relates to these particular character traits well i'd like to say that that's probably how uh community starts they just dig right into these characters and create these neuro uh, typical, uh, you know, these entrenched neurotypical characters, and then just throw them in a in a room together for for a lot of the show. And I th- is that why the characters didn't appeal to you, I th- uh, Sam? I think I can for with Community. It just became I don't know. Maybe maybe if I watched it now, I'd have I'd change my mind. You know, the first time I watched The Office in Brooklyn Nine Nine, I didn't enjoy them, and now they're two of. They're two shows that I can enjoy. Brooklyn Nine-Nine to a far lesser extent. But with a show like Community, uh, it was so long ago when I watched it. So I, I, I will surrender that point where I tried to watch it. Yeah, I'm not when letting I, you yeah, So when I watched it, I was just coming away from the episode feeling as if, okay, it's another like formulaic situation comedy. We start with a discussion, conflict, and with discussion you know, and and how many rather does, does the same thing? Starts in McLaren's pub, it ends in McLaren's pub. I'm not like I have no illusions about my personal tastes. Same thing with Fraser, same thing with Seinfeld, same same thing with The Office. I just was not enthused by the premise, you know, of like people who are essentially still very you know, defined by who they defined by who they were when they weren't in community college. Right. It was coming out when I was in high school. Yeah. You know, maybe that's why yeah. I'm sure I could find, I'm sure, you know, I could come with a million more re- reasons, but I just didn't like it. And I'm, you know, it wasn't my thing. No, I, 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 I completely understand what you mean. And, but I will say to the, the last thing I'll probably say about community for the seeable future is that, one of the reasons that I think it resonated so much with pop culture fans um, or fandoms, I should say, is because it's one of the very few shows that I think is self-aware of how formulaic it is. And when you have a character like Abed who is 
um, who basically treats his life like an episode of television mm-hmm. uh, or a plot line in a, in a TV show. And he starts pointing these things out like, oh, this is the part of this, the day where we do this, or this is the part of the story we do this. And everybody's telling him, stop. Mm-hmm. I think that's what gets a lot of people to, to get hyped up about it is the self-awareness now, of the something, <clears throat> So this kind of brings up something that we talked about on Tuesday before our game. Um, and that's a lot of times when people hype a show or a book or a game up to me, um, and then I, I watch it, a lot of times I'll be kind of let down because it's been it's been put on this pedestal. And I was wondering if, Sam, did people tell you to watch Community because it was so awesome? Okay. Yeah, I am nodding over our video chat, but you can't see this because this is a podcast. Uh, I, yeah, it, it was just, it was so talked up to me. Uh, I think it was recommended to me by uh, by like one year in my at my international school uh, growing up. Like I think we had like five American kids come in at, in the same year, which was huge. Uh, you know, the volume of our classrooms certainly changed, so we noticed it there. Um, Yes, Americans are loud. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> and I'm saying I'm the loud, uh, the the loud Arab guy, so <laughs> I'm not one to talk. Um, but uh, and it was just talked up to me, and it was lauded, and you know, um, uh, maybe I was just expecting it to be better at the time, and I never, I've never gone back and tried to watch it again. I will, I'll, will fully admit, admit that. But it's the same reason I didn't enjoy Parks and Recreation. Parks and Recreation felt like a bad office ripoff, like. You know, and I can't stand Amy Poehler. Amy Poehler, I just I was soured on Amy Poehler just because her comedy is very like, I'm goofy, and I and I, I you know, it's just. I feel that way about. Um, you know what? I don't even know yeah. uh, which well, like, comedian I felt I, that but way. Like, but I will Amy say, Poehler. just want to backtrack a little bit, and then we can get to the one thing I wanted to talk about, about just comic book TV shows in general was you say, uh, you know, characters become entrenched. They be, people's only start going for the low hanging fruit. If you watch like the mo the magnum opus of Batman stuff, you realize that that is actually the case. He starts out and he's be he's picture perfect being, he is, uh, all of these things. He's not dark and brooding yet. That's probably something that didn't happen until like Tim Burton uh, and Joel Schumacher. But like, progressively over the course of his movies, he becomes darker and darker and darker and darker, right? I'm going to make, I'm going the wild thing. I don't think he's going to be killing people in the Batman and the Matthew Vaughn movie, but I do think like he's going to be darker than, than Batfleck because like Batman's gotten darker. Batman is just low hanging fruit now. And I think that that sort of is, um, Mm -hmm. he is, he is almost only just the vigilante. Now we don't even see the playboy side of Bruce Wayne anymore. Right. The last time we saw the the Playboy side was The Dark Knight, the second Nolan movie. And the last time we saw the the detective was what? That scene in The Dark Knight where he's trying to figure out like the bullet fragment casing thing when he was hunting the Joker. Like we haven't gotten the Batman as the detective for as much as everyone likes to talk about like, oh, this is what we're going to portray in our movie. We haven't actually gotten that in a very long time. Um. He was just mm-hmm. gotten the the brooding vigilante, and Batman is so much more than that. But, um, and I mean, even even when they did kind of portray the Playboy aspect of him in in the Nolan uh, movies, specifically the Dark Knight, they're not really like it's 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 just a mask. It's it, there's not even like any any truth to that side of his personality. You're supposed to think that that's just 
he's just doing that to throw everybody off. Um, yeah. yeah know, I, I saw maybe he's, he's, he's got some, some deeper secrets or anything. Yeah. It's actually interesting when you think about like the Batman Superman thing, this is, this is one of those comic book store tangents. We'd love to go down. Um, uh, like Batman, Batman and Bruce Wayne, like the playboy and the vigilante on the outskirts are both like masks. He's himself when he's in the cave with Alfred and like Dick and Damien and Tim and Selena to an extent. Um, whereas with like Superman, Superman is the mask. Clark Kent, that is who he is. He is, he has to, he has to choose you to think be so? clumsy because like, it's like that perfect, it's like that, that uh, Batman Superman comic we talked about where the Joker attacks him in Disney Planet, in at Disney Planet, at uh, the Daily Planet. And he spends like two or three pages full of panels. He's like his internal monologue, like how would someone actually react to having a mallet swung at them by the Joker? And he has to like barely take the hit. And then he goes, he's like spear tackles Joker. And he's like, were you a linebacker, Kent? When he gets starts getting teased and he has to like debate, how is someone reacting? Uh, if you know they get pushed out the window and he has to wait, like this is how I this is how I reveal my secret, and Batman swoops in and saves him. Um, but yeah, no, Clark Kent is who he is. Um, yeah, I don't know about that, man. I, I think I think it depends yeah. on the writer. I think it depends on the writer whether or not it's one going to be one of those stories where Clark Kent is real or Superman is all there really is, or if Kal El is who mm. he truly is. And it, I, it depends on the angle. I think it depends yeah. on the angle the writer is coming at from the story, because uh, he's got three cultures basically, or he's got he's got three identities, but he's mm -hmm. got two cultures. Because uh, ultimately, it is an immigrant story, so the question of his identity and who he really is is has been one of the at, at the core of a, some of the best Superman stories. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. I would agree with that. Um, the other thing. Also, yeah. I love Invincible. <laughs> the thing I wanted to talk about is it's sort of insular to the Invincible discussion because we I don't think we want to talk about major spoilers. We think we, the biggest thing that was going to happen, I think this season already happened. Like something else. Yeah. Like, like I think one. in episode five or six, if not pushing it till the very end, they'll have the second big reveal of uh, what Nolan is actually like, but I won't spoil it for Matt. Um, yeah, because I've, yeah. uh, I've, I've only read the, the first volume. Um, yeah. Um, but I, I will say that I am really, I mean, un, unsurprisingly, but I'm really enjoying uh, the show. Uh, and e that's even though, like, when I read the first volume, I thought it was interesting. I enjoyed it, but I didn't really feel like I needed to go pick up the other volumes. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Even when I saw the first episode, I mean, obviously at the end, I was kind of like, sold once i saw yeah. <laughs> on the man like uh, <laughs> kill his version of the justice league essentially um but 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 before that i was still like yeah you know it's it's okay like you know maybe i'll watch more um but 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 they're doing a they've done a really good job getting me into this um because like i think as we kind of touched on last week you guys are bigger comic fans than i am like i'm more I'm more into particular characters or particular properties. And, you know, if their stories are told in comics, then I pick them up, but it's not like I'm always looking for the next new comic to pick up mm. because the medium to me is, is I'm kind of indifferent to the medium. If the story is told in comics, I'll read it, but you know, I'm not, I, 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 I'm not 
focus specifically on you know finding the newest uh, stories that are coming out um but this show um has got me wanting to go back and, and read those comics because it's it's awesome it's so well done i mean the voice cast the humor the uh just the, the general storyline just um amazing yeah it was brilliant uh, invincible was brilliantly cast i will freely admit that yeah, I wanted to, to to let the listeners know that um, the thing that the plot point that um, that Matt let out of that Nolan or Omni Man, uh, you know, he kills the Guardians of the Gal- uh, Guardians of the Globe in the first episode. It's it's a shocking thing. You like you'll see it. It goes. It happens a lot longer in the show. It takes a lot longer to play out in the show than it did the books. That's for sure. Um, but it's actually a minor plot point. Or not a minor plot point, but it's not the biggest uh, reveal that you'll that you'll deal with in this show. So believe me, do not feel like the show is ruined for you because uh, that this is revealed uh, in the in the yeah. opening episode. Like, uh, uh, to anyone but... who's read the comics, um, I will just say the Cecil Stedman reveal around like volume like seven, eight, nine. Holy crap! My I was reading the comic and like. I had no one to share in this moment with because it was such a big moment. That's all. Okay. Um, uh, the point I wanted to make about sort of a show like Invincible is Invincible started coming out in the like the mid to late, the early to mid two thousands. It was a it was actually a creation contest uh, put out by Image, and it said make a character that represents Image Comics, and Kirkman and Otley and. Uh, can't remember the last guy's name. The guy who did the artwork in the first, um, the first volume. He basically designed this character with the eye, with the eye on his chest, as part of the contest for Image. They pitched the story, and Image yeah. loved it. And that's how. Can't, I can't believe that's how Invincible uh, yeah. got its start. Yeah, and I think really that incredible. Probably it's it's probably going to be a really successful property. I think like people are really liking mm-hmm. the show. People who never read the comic or had heard of the comic like the show like uh people who uh I, uh our buddy david he read the comic from nearly the beginning he had no idea the show was coming out and he loved it yeah um really? it's just like little things like that but i i feel like there's a larger discussion we can have now since invincible's come out because i love invincible i like the comic a lot i like the tv show a lot my favorite comic book series of all time, Fables, still hasn't gotten an adaptation. And I think now Amazon has proven, the Invincible cartoon has proven that, yes, you can adapt a, a gory, violent cartoon or comic into a cartoon. You don't need to spend $10 million to make or $100 million to make 10 movies. Or you can... Some piece of bullshit called well, yeah, Once that's Upon what a Time. People's, or Once Upon a Time Got was fired. apparently loosely inspired by, and then Bill Willingham and Mark Buckingham were like, no, it wasn't. Fuck that. Because <laughs> it's so, like, I tried to watch Once Upon I heard that, and I was like, fuck yeah. So I sat down, and I I, I was a little suspect, because my sister was like, apparently, my my sister wanted to watch it with me. Um, or my sister, it was my sister's idea to watch it first, and I heard about it, uh, and, and she loved it, and I did not enjoy it. And because it was just some like formulaic ass drama, which is a completely valid thing to enjoy, but it was not fables in the slightest. And no. you know, there's no Bigby Wolf. It's it's not fables without Bigby. And 
the very fact that a show like Fables doesn't get adapted before Invincible, and I would argue, I would make the argument. It doesn't no, yes, deserve to be yet. Why? No. I think... Jeez. Um, oh, Do you guys remember the Max on MTV? Sam Keats, no. the Max. You know that big purple dude with the with the yellow Did hands and the Sam gigantic Keats? buck teeth? And oh, I think it's Sam Keith from Image Comics back in the mid to late 90s that he had a property called The Max. The Max was the weirdest comic book you could think of. I don't even know what it's about, but it got an animated adaptation on MTV. And it has, it's to this day, it has a cult following. Then there was HBO's, um, aside from the Marvel and DC stuff, I mean, there was HBO's the uh, sponsor. Uh, Did you guys that. ever watch yes. that? It is on YouTube for all of you who want to watch it. And I thought it was a terrific adaptation of that series. I think Invincible is the next step in that. I don't think Fables, I don't think uh, Fables is mm -hmm. ready for that. And I think they still need to try with, I would prefer Sandman get an ad animated adaptation as opposed to a, um, a, a live action adaptation, personally. Um, I think Sandman is the next place to go with I could, I, I, I don't actually almost agree with you because with Invincible, it is whatever, you know, it breaking the mold on superhero stuff it is because it does do those things. Uh, it is still superhero, and I think that makes it approachable. He's a very recognizable superhero where he mm -hmm. can be recognizable. Um, you know, all of like a very uh, every member of the Guardians of the Globe and Omni Man are very clearly analogs for the Justice League, right? Or inspired by heroes in both, right? Red Rush is obviously the Flash. Uh, the Immortal is both Superman and Vandal Savage. Omni Man is like both Superman and Zod, and Aquarius is Aquaman, so on and so forth. Uh, I think with like maybe you're right, but a show the, sh the Invincible. I think just has proven that you, you can make that sort of good shit in, you know, live action, not live action in a cartoon when a comic book, the comic book fables, the pacing is so much faster and they're making it better in the cartoon. Mm -hmm. The pacing is already perfect in fables in the comic book. And I'd almost say either say you're going to never adapt it or adapt it perfectly because fables is one of those things that like the comic itself is so beautiful um i disagree i i don't i okay i think this comes down to a uh what i think it's a spectrum but i think it comes down to how far you're pushing the slider on the spectrum from uh transliteration into a different medium to a uh, an adaption so an example i think of a good adaptation is the x-men that i think is a good movie adaptation. I don't think it is um, I don't think it is comic book though. Um, I think that, you know, it, it they, they're wearing the black leather and stuff, you know, that's that to me is an adaptation. It doesn't stay true to the, it's not like the Avengers. The Avengers I think were a transliteration to you're saying different that, You're saying that, so I You're saying that Fables would work best as an but yeah, what I'm the argument I'm making is that Invincible is a, is a transliteration. Yeah, it is. 
They have, they so? have, I, they I have think because taken story beats and almost exact scenes from the comic and put them on just and probably it was probably mm. a few short steps to get this an iconic moment uh from you yeah. know, point A, which is the final published format in the comic, which is the first draft, you could argue. Yeah. To storyboard to uh other steps all the way to I'm watching it on my TV screen on Friday morning. Uh you know, the fight. Mm. And again, this is why I said it's on a slider. Um, like there's a spectrum of how much it's not a black or white thing. I think it's a total gray region thing as to how much of an adaptation versus how much of a, of but my, a uh, my, transliteration my, it is. And I don't think I don't think fables would be strengthened by a transliteration. Maybe it would, it would but only if because Invincible, I, I haven't read any of the tie-in comics, so I can't speak to the, the outer world. But in, in, the, fa in the fables core book, numb. though, they obviously have their main their main characters. Mm. You know, it's Snow White, it's uh, it's Snow White and Big B, and then later on, it's their kids. Um, uh, Rose Red becomes yep. a major character later on as well. Prince Charming and Jack become major characters, yeah. not counting Jack of Fables. Uh, we've it lends itself, I think, to adaptation in maybe just countering my own argument because. Uh, uh, the the main fables comic stories in those twenty two volumes do explore the outer world, so making like a fables universe and releasing just having your arcs mm -hmm. of show like have the first half of the first season be the murder of Rose Red from the the first volume and then have the second half be like yeah everything from you know doing the second half of that to Animal Farm. You're telling me that it wouldn't be super entertaining to see Animal Farm depicted, you know, Rose Red fighting with all the farm animals Absolutely. and you know, fairy but, tale. Yeah, but it dragged in the yeah, last few trades. Again, it really drags. You get the superhero, you get the superhero uh, thing, which I think was really fascinating because I think the Marvel movies just started to come out. So superheroes entering the the concept of the metatextual concepts brought in by fables. I think that was very interesting. But once you get to the frog king and stories like that, like you got to push those stories. But my point is, my point is invincible. The pacing of the show is solving a lot of the pacing issues of the comic. Like, I feel like, yes, uh, I yes, will just say is. the phrase, I will just say it, uh, but without context, the Omni kid man stuff comes way too soon in the comic book. Of Invincible, in my opinion, uh, they could have waited yeah. much longer. They could have, and then, like a little bit after that, right after, uh, you know, Nolan Omni Man makes the admits his the things he feels about Mark and his mother, uh, like only a few issues after Kid Omni Man is introduced, does like Nolan completely shift and change his mind about everything he's already said. So either he and uh, and one of the yeah. characters in the in the comic makes a really good point. Is he either faking it or is he? Uh, which who is he? Who is faking it? Is it the Viltrumite that's faking it, or is it the? Is it like the superhero that like Mark's father that's faking it? And the comic doesn't answer those question and questions. And I'm feeling like the show is gonna get into that a lot better. And I feel like 
Fables would benefit from that. And it could mm-hmm. and a, co- a show could solve a lot of those problems. I also want a Fables show so bad. The comic's been over for like five years. Give it to me. Um, I got Matt, nothing to got... say because I never read Fables. Um, and right. I don't know exactly gotcha. what you're talking about when it comes to those developments in Invincible, but I'm intrigued. And it just makes me want to, uh, you know, stick with the show even more. Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, next big thing is just the Falcon Warrior Soldier. Um, I think we can all say that we're enjoying the show. I loved episode two. I love that they're bringing in Isaiah Bradley. I went back. I read it years ago. I, I reread it. Truth, yeah. red, white, and black. It tells the story of Isaiah Bradley after, or sorry, it tells the story of him. And then when Young Avengers and uh, Patriot were introduced, they sort of retroactively made Eli Isaiah's grandson. Uh, and the fact that Eli is in the show, uh, and now as of episode three, they're bringing in the Wakandans. Uh, I, I'm super excited for where they're going to bring it. And I can see a scene at the end of the show where Sam picks up the shield and Isaiah is there on his couch watching it on TV. And then there's like a single tear that rolls down his cheek because that's always how these things go. Oh, that would be so beautiful. Uh, uh, Matt, how are you enjoying uh, Winter Soldier? Awesome. Um, it took me like Falcon unlike WandaVision, which took me a couple of episodes to get into. I was hooked on this show right from the beginning. Um, episodes one and two were awesome. I kind of feel like Sam episode three. You know, I, I didn't I didn't enjoy episode three quite as much. I, I my reasons are a little different. I will yeah. say I love the characterization of Zemo. I love that he isn't just this oh, crazy yeah. supervillain chaotic evil motherfucker i like that he's like how do you have all this money he's like i was a baron before you people destroyed my country and he gets on the plane and the butler the butler's straight up saying like we have no money of this champagne is cold and the food is like almost going off um uh uh but like they they have money but it's all in like things they don't have like capital uh and and i love the fight scene with him in it late near the end of the episode uh, yeah. Of course, the whole aerial battle from episode one, which of course we haven't talked about because this is the first time we've we've really discussed the show. That was awesome. Um, yeah, everything about it. I, I do find back to my point about episode three, even though I am like obsessed with continuity and I like the way all of these shows and movies in the MCU connect. I do find that maybe the weakest point of this show are the constant references to things that have happened in the past. Um, and I don't mean like like necessarily references that that you kind of need to bring up because they they help move the story forward. Just I, episode three, like when they run into Sharon Carter and she's talking about like, oh, you know, it's like um, remember when I saved you from like you uh, to to, to uh, save him from you, and it's just like it feels kind of unnatural the way they're constantly referencing these past events. Maybe that's mm. just me. But, um, and and it could also be because I love what's I, happening well, in this show so much that I actually don't really care about constantly having those those things from the past brought up. I, I don't know. I, I Like I said, I know it's weird because I care so much about continuity, but it's kind of bothering me in this show, specifically in episode three. Well, then I got to ask you guys, do you think, uh, well, before I ask, I got to say, I'm, I've, I haven't watched the third episode. I've watched the first two. I like it. Uh, but it's not, I like it, but I'm still kind of uh, real world wary because like I see enough 
racism and stuff on my Facebook feed. I see enough of the planet's political systems falling, you know, falling apart all, all around us that putting those into my entertainment kind of shake it shakes me a bit. It shakes me a bit to see that sort of seep in there. But at the same time, um, like you said, the I can't turn away from it because it's part of a bigger narrative and I want to see as much of this big picture as possible and gotta hand it to Marvel for making a character like Falcon who has always been the butt of jokes to make his uh, special skill set look so badass uh, in an aerial fight where he flies through a helicopter to grab a dude which was, I mean, good God, that's just so awesome. But I got to ask you guys then, do you feel that Winter Soldier, ah, do you guys feel that Falcon and Winter Soldier is more character driven or is becoming more plot driven due to its connection with the rest of the Marvel Universe? And do should we compare it to WandaVision? No, yes regard? and no, because I think that ultimately, well, two things. Ultimately, WandaVision was character driven. It was about, it wasn't about, wider assumption wider implications for creating mutants or multiverse stuff it's, it was a character driven thing about wanda and her trauma that's ultimately what it was about there may be some implications later on blah 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 but for now at the end of it you know she's not some villain she's not some multiversal creator there's no house of m nothing like that secondarily i do think that falcon Winter soldier is character driven but those those characters are be are defined by the that wider Marvel universe, the MCU meta plot, right? Um, and I think that it's it's enjoyable, but I don't I I don't know if it matters. And I think that you're right because yeah, but Wanda I think literally that, created her own world, and these guys are forced yeah, to live in the one that actually is out here. I don't take that as them be, as it being plot driven. The plot is the characters. It is. It, the, if the plot is being created by Sam deciding to not shout out my fellow Sam is being <laughs> driven by Sam choosing to not become Cap, right? So ultimately, that's the plot. If he had mm -hmm. taken the shield, I have no doubt that there would have been the storyline. Then would have been uh, it's about hint Cap is disavowed because the American government wants the shield back and they want to give it to a white guy. I I will say one thing I really like about the mm -hmm. show, and I mentioned it when we talked about it either this two you know last tuesday or the tuesday before is the way the blip is really ha has really had a real consequence on the world it isn't just something that like you know half half of the world's population vanished then they came back and that was really just you know for the storyline purposes and we're not bringing it up again no this had real implications and we're actually looking at those implications in the show and that's one of those kind of connections to previous events that i really enjoyed um and i think you you put it best when you kind of asked about the character-driven versus the plot-driven elements of the show. And I guess it's all those other references to other plot points that, that I feel kind of detract from the character moments. But I really like the fact that we're seeing the, the real mm -hmm. consequences of half of the world's population coming back. I think that's very well done. Um, and, and one of my favorite points of the show. Now, sorry, one last question about this right now, but I gotta ask you guys, Marvel making villains that you feel confused sympathizing with. <laughs> so the Black what were they called the Planet Smashers? The Planet Black Smashers. Um, yeah. 
The flag smashers. They're well, they're anarcho social. They're anarcho terrorists. So I was honestly, I was, I was like, I could understand their point of view right up until the terrorist attack, the the explode, the the bombing of the depot at the end of episode three. Yeah, Carly going through this sort of tumbling extremism, however. You know, that's not how ha- I think that's a little outlandish because you don't see people on the far left blowing up places. You see people on the far right. doing it. So uh, if if it yeah. ends up being that it's all being manipulated by someone who is evil, you know, I could see like Carly being shown the error of her ways in like episode four or five. I my early my previous theory was that I, as we discussed in the last episode was that. U.S. agent is going to end up. John Walker is going to end up being like the, doing the right thing and giving up the shield. I now with this past episode and like the end of episode two, I don't believe that's happening at all. Very much, I think the end of the show is going to be like the sh- the shield has to be taken from him, even if like and the American government is like or Sam is going to be like, what are you going to do about it? And they're going to be like, okay, we're we'll let we we'll let you keep it. And he's like, yeah, 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 sure. And um, and the, there was a moment in today's episode where that was really really interesting because it was basically Bucky saying, "If you don't take it, I will." And I and uh, maybe alluding to the fact that the original second cap was Bucky. I don't think that's what's going to happen at all. I don't think Marvel would be is that stupid mm-hmm. um, to make to have to have all this big discussion about race and then give the shield to a white guy, um, but. Uh, you know, I think it, I think just sort of the way they're going about it, maybe making it a bit of a slower burn for us. Maybe by the end, he has taken on the mantle, but like he's not suited up as Cap, which they'll save for like, they'll save for the next Captain America movie. The The one thing I am fearful of, and Mm. not for this, but like in every other circumstance in comic books where someone dies and then the mantle is picked up, it's happened with Batman, it's happened with Wolverine, Batman, Wolverine, uh, Iron Man and Captain America, the Flash, they're the big ones. Flash. As much as I love the new 52, uh, that is something it's... I didn't like that they made Barry, that they made Barry Allen the Flash again. And uh, it, with comics, yeah. Cap, like Falcon, Sam Wilson is no longer Captain America. Steve Rogers came back and he gave up the mantle. So all of that character development that led to him becoming mm-hmm. deservedly Captain America was destroyed in the comic books. This, once again, this is why Marvel movies will all, will always be better than current Marvel comics until they go through a big turn and they stop making the comics a feeder into, hey, just watch our movies and our TV shows on Disney Plus. Like I think the whole solid yeah, point. I think I think, but I do think the fundamental solid issue solid with point. a show like uh, um, or what the issue may have been with with a show like Falcon Winter Soldier is that it follows it. But what WandaVision ended up being, why WandaVision will be remembered, not why it was good, but why it will be remembered is because it didn't just adapt House of M, right? Like, her children were not being mm-hmm. controlled by Mr. Pan- Dr. Pandemonium. They were her creations. Agatha had nothing to do with that. They made that point. And I can see, at the, like, yeah. until the end of the MCU, Cat or uh, Sam is Captain America. And I'm really excited at that prospect. Very much so. Yeah, hundred percent. Like there, Matt, there there's real development. It? There's real consequences so far uh, in the MCU. Things just don't 
don't just get reset um, to the status quo, which I mean, kind of ties into my point about actually having real consequences for the blip and bringing up that it's still five years later. No, we didn't just say it was five years later and then kind of forget it in the next show. You know, these things have real effects. Um, although I don't know if, if Sam would be Captain America until the end of the MCU, because I mean, the MCU at some point could, once you start bringing in the multiverse and, and timelines and everything, at some point, I suppose they could put bring Steve back, not necessarily Chris Evans, but the character of Steve Rogers back and make him Captain America again or whatever. But I feel like even if they did that, that's so far off. Yeah. And there would still be you would have still gotten that real development for Sam that by that point it's 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 less important. Like for the foreseeable future he is yeah. Like for the foreseeable yes. future he is Captain America. Yeah. And I think maybe we get uh you know in the next movie we do get like some of him where we get him and then as we get like a sprinkling of Bucky but maybe it's more about like as a feeder to bring in like Patriot because other than the casting for who they cast to be Eli Bradley, and we assume that's Eli Bradley, we don't have a confirmation yet, um, who was with Isaiah in episode two. Uh, but I think, but that's it. We have we have the whole, we have the original, with the exception of Hulkling, we have the entire original Young Avengers lineup. With the addition of probably yeah. Riri Williams and Miss Marvel, because yeah. they're both being, Riri Williams is coming in in Armor Wars, both this that's year, true. Armor Wars and Miss Marvel. Wait, Armor Wars is coming out this year? I thought that was November. still a ways off. Yeah, and I think it's going to be cool because no. we're essentially, and that's going to be like they, Rhodey becoming Iron Man. It's not going to be him being War Machine. He's going to be the new Iron Man. No, I think he's going to stay War Machine, but he is going to be one of, uh, he is going to take the place of Vision as a senior member of the new Avengers, where it, uh, Jane, Jane Foster... Uh, Falcon, uh, Winter Soldier, no, not Falcon, Winter Soldier. Jane Foster, Falcon, Captain America, uh, was Vision, but will be replaced by War Machine, and probably Doctor a couple Strange, of, Spider maybe Man. Black, no, wait, Black Widow's dead. Uh, what am I saying? Uh, Doctor Strange is probably going to be there, and he's going to be mentoring um, Wiccan, and well, Spider-Man's uh, probably going to be there, but like, Kevin, yeah, I guess by Kevin technicality, he's a senior member. Doctor Strange is going to sort of occupy the same space that Tony did, He's gonna be like the guy who bring. He's not gonna be like the leader, but he's gonna be the guy who brings really? them together. Because of the goatee. That's something yes, that will always get to me. They uh, never but... did goatee bros. They never did that. <laughs> yeah, I was so disappointed by that myself, and I, for the that that they could have done that so easily yeah. for the fans, but they didn't, and uh, it does make me sad. Uh, but okay, again, we're doing this. We're doing the Marvel fan thing. We are basically keeping an eye out for the future of the cinematic universe are we well, ever no, going to like, just i'm enjoy enjoying the, the moment show or will and it i'm not to, making will the same have... mistake with this show i made with that one i madripoor thing was cool i've been a fan of madripoor stuff because it was so important to i believe i don't know if it was introduced in a wolverine comic but i got to know in it in reading like wolverine like when he was posing his patch or when he was under that alias right um but I wasn't in that. I knew they were like, yeah. as soon as they mentioned, like, we have to go to a place, I was like, Madripoor. And then they say it in the show, Madripoor. And I'm like, boom, called it. And I, but I didn't spend that episode at, or the, the time they were in Madripoor, like, looking out, like, oh, is, when is Selby going to be like some alias for Patch and we're going to meet Wolverine? And I'm like, I thought that in the back of my mind, that I wasn't looking for like the references the whole episode. And I haven't been. 
And as soon as they like, they went to some like, I wasn't thinking Isaiah Bradley until Bucky said, we're here to see Isaiah because Isaiah Bradley doesn't live in Maryland in the comics or Baltimore. He lives in Brooklyn. So I hadn't even, I hadn't even entered my mind right. that they would bring in he Isaiah does. Bradley this Whipped soon if they brought him in at all. Yeah. I thought they'd save him for like Young Avengers or something. But you realize now it's the perfect time to like essentially integrate truth, red, white, and black. And for all we know, there's going to be some like some flashbacks in episodes uh, four and five. You know, they go to the Korean War, and that's where we meet Wolverine. Sorry. Can you imagine? Oof. Can you imagine? Don't, don't, table, don't, make me, in, don't like, take my mind there. In, don't take my uh, mind like, there, in man. Viet Cong had held territory. It's like a pirate haven. Who's sitting around the table? You got Winter Soldier. You got Isaiah. He's got the cat. He's got his cap shield, his special one. But he's in like fatigues, and you can and you use Carl Lumley because he obviously put on muscle weight. And then that third person, you see, you just you don't see the face, but you you show like a pat, you show like a, a Canadian flag patch on the arm. That's all. You no, know, I, I would say I would be much happier if they just. Um, if they just kind of Easter egg middle finger uh, the uh, us, the audience, and just have Bradley or some um, yeah, say some well, douchebag yeah. from Weapon X. Yeah, I think, uh, I think they're going into the that would be enough for me. Like, that would be enough the for me. Thing again, you're right. But like Captain America was Weapon One, and then Weapon Plus program started to try to reclaim the not. Super Soldier, and Wolverine was Weapon X. Uh, I feel like. Yes, but he well, the was Weapon X Weapon program X. was more than just Wolverine. Because now it's been but, retroactively yeah, but, called. I mean, we could get program, but we digress. Nobody gets. I just think I just think bringing in and Isaiah and yeah. making the bad guy a U.S. government agent. I say I said I've said this before. I'll say it again. I'm so happy they're hopefully moving away from the Avengers are just Team America, World Police, and I'm I'm really looking forward to it. For once, I am actually not concerned uh, about Mr. Teasers. If they don't show Wolverine, you don't get those kind of moments. I'm okay with it because I'm really digging these characters. Uh, I think I think this show is doing exactly what we said Marvel should do, and that's trying to get people to stop worrying so much about what comes next and actually just enjoy what they're watching. Um, and I think that's the show is doing that. So. Sam and I are broken compared to you, Matt. We are so. I'm like, honestly, we, so we are like generally, but for Easter once, egg I'm just. Where there I don't know. Even I, I, any just, eggs. I'm not feeling that way about this this show. I'm just <laughs> really enjoying uh, what I'm seeing and not constantly worried about what I'm, might be. I'm going to push back on what Kai just said. I'm not being an Easter egg hunter about this. I am because the possibilities are endless from everything they do and that they didn't. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm just hoping it doesn't reduce it down to a boner joke. That will uh, WandaVision was ruined for me in that one moment. Your name is Ralph Boner? Like like you, you <laughs> first of like it's kind of funny. Like there were there was almost there was almost the the a demon bunny from like at the end of WandaVision, right? Like from uh, uh yeah. that movie with Jake Gyllenhaal. I can't remember what it was called. Um but like the the Isaiah, the Super Soldier program, the Super Soldier program has become retroactively a very important part of Marvel, the Marvel comics like lore, 
right? The mythology of it, the mythos is, I almost said ethos, the mythology, mythos, you know, with with everything yeah. it means for mutants and like civil rights and you know marvel's stories tend to be more mm -hmm. intimate and we have all these characters throughout marvel history who are very much like about uh like civil rights and social and like social commentary and political commentary but we actually if you think about it we got some of it in civil war we get a good amount of it but not enough of it in black panther and now like 15 years in we're finally getting something of it or 14 years in in Cap in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier mm -hmm. of all places, you know. Yeah, we, we got, got it in, it in the case, case. but again, like it, that's not the MCU anymore, though. And as they Punisher continue to, to remind us, the Harmonica Brothers does not um, agree no, with not. Uh, the Netflix shows not being part of the yeah uh, canon yeah, universe. I, I, I would agree, even though they, they say that maybe Charlie Cox is going to be in in Spider Man, but not necessarily. I guess is the same. Daredevil. Speaking of Charlie Cox, you guys ready for an awesome transition for our fi our, our final little topic? Okay. I rewatched Stardust this week, the mm. film, the 2007 fantasy adventure film based on a, a novel by Neil Gaiman. Bro, it holds up. Robert De Niro, Henry Cavill yes. is in it. And at the end, Robert. I know that. I, I read the, the graphic end, Robert novel. Robert De Niro and it. Henry Cavill like they guys each other Beth. like they're gonna hook up. Dude, I am I am not. Are you doing slash I am fiction not. for okay. Neil Gaiman? So Robert De Niro's character is a is a <laughs> Captain Shakespeare. He's like a uh he's an a, an airship captain and he like harvests lightning and he sells it to Ricky Gervais. Um it's a whole thing. <laughs> but uh, but is but uh, uh he sort of poses as like this hard pirate, but uh throughout the movie or in the scenes where you see him, that leg of the book. Or the, the movie, rather, you learn that he's actually like a, you know, he's he likes to dress in drag. He likes fashion and like cooking for himself. He's not like this hardcore pirate that his crew thinks he is. And then there's a scene where he's almost he's attacked by Mark Strong, and he's like drawn a little heart in like eyeliner on his cheek, and he's dressing in like a white dress, and he's like fan dancing, and it's Robert De Niro doing that, right? Uh, and then his crew charges in and they save him. And they're like, we always knew you were a fairy or a poof or whatever phrase, like derogatory phrase they use for a gay guy. Um, but at the end of the movie, uh, you see him like look over and it's at uh, uh, Claire Danes and Charlie Cox's wedding. You guys are tuning out. <laughs> you guys, they're at no, 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 I just Claire Danes' some... wedding. And Robert De Niro like, no, no. Makes a, does a little, there's a little a moment between him and Harry Cowell. And it's like, uh, like, you 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 uh you want to go bro and then henry cowell's like yeah okay and henry cowell's like he's skinny he's got like blonde hair and a beard and you know he's trying to have sex with sienna miller uh is this star starting cast yeah sorry no i was not tuning out okay, i was merely checking well. because i thought the final thing we might want to touch on is that apparently dc is not going forward with their new gods movie or the trench oh fuck the new gods movie not being made is bad because what you're doing is you're giving ground to the eternals and the new gods came first mm -hmm. jack kirby created all of them he created the new gods he created the internals all that shit yep but they're yeah, getting ground read, by getting rid of it i haven't i like i i there's just lots i i haven't read the articles yet i've just i've just i've just seen the headlines that they're canceled so i don't know why they're canceled if it's yeah. tied in with like 
because you know they they're deciding to go in a new direction with That's things or, or why they're dancing. Yeah, I've never been interested in the new gods really. I fell in love with the new gods because there was an Elseworlds comic I read years ago. I used to like uh, this 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 like tiny hole in the shop hole in the wall bookstore in my hometown or in the town where I grew up. Um, they had like comics. They'd have like thick trades, but they were like the A five versions, like half the size, like panels essentially, and just smaller books. That's how I, like the first comics oh, I read. Yeah. And one of them was a a Superman book where he lands on Apocalypse instead of Earth, right? And he wears like black iron armor and a helmet, yes. and he's like got a double got S, and it looks like it looks like a red SS symbol. But the book ends with him crack or like the climax of the book is he crashes on Earth, falls in love with Lois Lane, becomes Superman on Earth, and he defeats he defeats his adopted father uh, of um, Darkseid. Yeah. Um, but that's where I fell in love with the New Gods, and you get like Light Ray and Orion, and you get like of course Big Barda and uh, Scott Free, Mister Miracle. Yeah, you would have gotten all that. The in greatest in a new gods of movie. all and of the New Gods. That fucking pisses me off. Yeah, well, maybe I mean, you know, who 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 knows what they might do in the future. Yeah. Um, but I just want, yeah. I just, I just want Calderon. I want Calderon brought in. I want them to cast a great actor. You know, you make like Black Manta the the chief villain of a movie, and then like Calder is like pulled between the two. You could just cast Kari Payton, and I'd roll with it because uh, he voiced when, him in Young Justice. When were they announced? Were they announced before like everything with the DCEU started to change? No, they were they were announced like shortly after the first after, like when aquaman like cracked a billion i believe that's when they were announced was that before they decided to like cast robert pattinson as the batman and like go in like a completely I different think so i think he had been cat or it, the rumors that started coming out the rumor mill had started mm. we'll release that episode next well, week or two weeks. Uh, we have our, our big discussion about DC's doom and how yeah. it can be saved. And it's sort of put in an additional context because we released that, we recorded that before Justice League, the Snyder Cut came out. Um, and we talk about Ray Fisher a lot. Speaking of the Snyder Cut, they uh, released the black and white version where Joker says uh, that we live in a society line. Uh, what, what is that? Okay. So yeah, Explain, explain so it to we me. We live in a society thing to is me. like the idea what of... What is the, the we live in a society? Only an as someone like an, a super angsty teen would say it, like someone well, who's because, no, like George Costanza says it in an episode of Seinfeld. Yes, um, it's yes, waiting for a table in the Chinese oh, restaurant, and they won't get because you know what? This brings it full circle back to our discussion about comedies uh, <laughs> that we had in the beginning. Yeah. In one of the laugh out loud uh, episodes <laughs> of Seinfeld, one of the many. Um, George needs to call this woman he's seeing, but he can't get on the phone. And then the guy comes off and somebody takes the phone before he can get there. And he just stops and he starts yelling, you know, we're living in a society here. Um, and I believe that people applied it to the, you know, Joker and that kind of thing. Legitimately, I think that may have been Zack Snyder. I think <laughs> Zack Snyder, for all of his filmmaking, I think he's a little, he's very self aware. He's more self aware than people give him credit for. And I think we live in a society thing was just, People say he only talks about social commentary mm -hmm. and it's always dark and angsty. Here you go. The most angsty, yeah. I'm 14, and the, the subreddit, I'm 14, this is deep angsty thing you can say. We, I'm not really sure. 
I, I'm not really sure, you know, what led to the decision to put it in there. Either way, I just watched it because it was another 30 seconds of the Joker kind of pressing Batman's buttons. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, it was it was interesting to watch at least. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they, they have great chemistry together. Leto and uh, and uh, yeah. Batflick. They really right. did have some good chemistry. Well, yeah, we'll leave it was it perfect. We ended I think right that's a where solid we began. episode right there. Uh, so yeah, that's it for this week's episode. Um, thanks for tuning in. Hopefully you join us next time.